Howdy. Hi, ghouls. <laughs> oh, you know, we're we're back for another week of exciting stuff. See you soon. And you do anything exciting lately? Um, what do you think um, about it? I made some oatmeal cookies. <gasps> Ooh. Yum. Yeah, that was the time. You know, it was easier than I thought. Yeah. I was scared of it for a while. You know, I look at that oven and I'm like, oh, you know. <laughs> well, especially <laughs> in the summer, it's just so hot, you know. Exactly. It's like, do I dare touch the oven? Right. Damn. I dare. Oatmeal cookies sound good, though. I am a Trader Joe's hoe, if people Ooh, don't know. That she is. But uh, they have this tomato spread that I just bought. And I made a grilled cheese with that on it just before we started recording. Dang. What's it called? Do you know what the spread is called? It's literally called tomato spread. Perfect. It's in like, they try to make it all cute. It almost looks like preserves that have like a cute little fabric top on them, but it's made of paper. You know the vibe. You know the vibe. Yeah. But uh, delicious, a little sweet, a little salty. Add to your tomato Grill, adds the tomatoes to the grilled cheese. Delish, delectable. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. And Alyssa would know. She's married to a chef, so. Yeah. We did the marriage. We did it, and we're, here marriage. we are. And I, this might, I'm not trying to, like, start a fight between all of us, but I really dislike oatmeal raisin cookies <gasps> unless they also have chocolate chips in them. Dude, these are not oatmeal raisin. What are you thinking? You think I would betray a cookie by putting a raisin in. What were they? Oatmeal chocolate chip? Yes, my friend. Oh, phew. Dude, I would I'm just never... so used to people. <sighs> okay. Phew. That I... is just, no. <laughs> she, Emily's face, she can't even believe Kylie would think she'd do such a thing. I, I would never I betray know. a cookie. I consider my statement redacted. <laughs> I personally do like an oatmeal raisin cookie, but I think mm. I'm in the minority with that one. But like with a little salt on top. Oh my God. Ooh. Delight. So artisanal. <laughs> yeah. Apparently we're snacking hard. That's what we've been up to. Yo, yeah. I talked about salt for like a good hour with my work colleagues the other day. <laughs> What'd you have to you say? You gotta go about Himalayan. It? Yeah, I, you know, I didn't have much to say about it, but I learned a lot (laughs) about it, you know? It's pretty good stuff. The question that brought it up was, what was our favorite condiment? And I didn't think of salt when that question was asked, but somebody said salt, and I was like, well, then, yeah, because I put salt on everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Can you stop, Holly? She's... (laughs) (laughs) I was like, who? who's there? She's so annoying, y'all. She just, she acts up at the worst times. That's she likes to just make noises when I speak. On classic. Zoom calls, on podcast mm-hmm. calls. She thinks you're talking to her. I guess, man. Have we? I think we should share a ghoul's pets post sometime soon. We, we may have done it in the past. It's but been a we while. Do it again. Yeah, we yeah. can mm-hmm. we can show the people the annoying friends that we have who <laughs> like to start shit as soon as we start recording. My dogs mm-hmm. always start fucking barking at nothing. <laughs> like, like, hello? What are you doing, dude? Hello? Uh, they're wild and crazy, but we love them. They're getting us through these sad times when we're <laughs> stuck in our house. So true. Uh, we're blessed. My we're blessed. only companion. Oh, y'all, exciting, but the acrylic pins, we did, like, a pretty limited run. They're running out, so if you want one, y'all better grab one soon, okay? Ooh. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, they're flying off the shelves, and it's a hot ticket item. Pin it. They're very cute. They're so cute. I can't wait for you ghouls to get them, too, in the mail that I just, I (gasps) love sending mail. I love sending mail, so... Mail's great. She loves the USPS. Support the Support postal the USPS. service. Mm-hmm. I got some spooky stamps. Ooh. Oh, I love it. Love it. Just the season. Oh, it is the season. And we're the Golden Ghouls. Alyssa. Kylie. Emily. And it's time to get spooky. Ooh. 
this week we're doing something wild crazy Uh, wow we're talking about lakes with hauntings and strange phenomena (laughs) and spooky stuff you know seasonally appropriate people are still hanging out at lakes it's the end of summer Mm. you know it's that's a safe activity to do away from people in the open air you know yeah yeah don't go crazy don't bring 20 friends with you but you know take a small family gathering yeah Mm -hmm. take take your your inner circle that you've been hanging out with and Mm -hmm. get some fresh air on the water Mm -hmm. yeah do it like so fun do it it. but also scary scary i'll kick us off with a pretty spooky one I'm not going to go to this lake because I'm scared. <laughs> I'm just going to preface this story by saying I am scared because shit's been going down there. All right, y'all. This is Lake Ronkonkoma in Suffolk County, New York. Already Ooh. the name haunting, chilling, because I've heard it before and heard about how scary this lake is. All right, so this bad boy is the largest lake on Long Island. He's a big boy. So as a result of the lake just existing, this used to be a resort town until the area experienced a population explosion in the mid-20th century. And now they're the summer cottages and bungalows from that time period have mostly been converted into houses for year-round use. So people just live there mm-hmm. now. They live, laugh, and love Love it. Oh, on Long Island. People still love, laugh, and love. They do. Good for them. So this lake is the subject of a number of urban legends. I'm talking legends on legends. Mostly Mm. because of the area's rich Native American heritage. We love Mm -hmm. that. Always. So there is this legend of the Lady of the Lake. And it involves a beautiful Native American princess whose unfulfilled love caused her to take her own life and subsequently return to haunt the waters of the lake. Dun, dun, dun. So this story (laughs) begins with this beautiful girl whose father belonged to the Setauket sachem tribe fell in love with a white settler's son how dare she and that man was named hugh birdsall so although the girl's chieftain father forbid the marriage the pair's affection continued for seven whole years seven count them seven so the legend says that the girl was floating pieces of birch bark containing notes of longing to her Cute. lover, Hugh Birdsall. Oh. During the last month of the seventh year, however, he stopped responding. <gasps> yes. So the pain of this unrequited love led her to pierce her own heart. No. Yes. It's dramatic. Yes. While she was floating in a canoe. So instead of a love note, he found her body in a canoe this time. Yes. Spooky and dark and twisted. Wait. She sent her mail to him down the river. (laughs) Yeah. And he was picking up the mail. Mm Mm-hmm. And not returning it back. Yeah. And so he then stopped, she sent her body. He stopped returning the letters, <laughs> so she sent herself. Wow. I mean, how did she know that he wasn't away, you know? Like, how did we know it yeah. was unrequited? Maybe his message got lost on the river. That's I don't what I'm know saying. what happened. It's like, right? that's a hard system to follow. It, you I, know? I agree. I, you got to be there at the right time. Yeah. The right call. Yeah. They probably, there was, must have been a bird signal gotta be Mm -hmm. you know there were layers to this it was like an a like the aol (laughs) the door closing and opening yeah (laughs) yeah that's actually where it originated did you know the bird signals yeah yeah Yeah. all right okay whoo so uh yeah she sent the body Mm. and uh after her passing 
the people said that her spirit actually haunted the lake and caused whirlpools, waves, and moaning sounds that they could not explain. Other accounts say that her ghost actually dwells in the depths of the lake and drags one man a year to his death in search of her forbidden love. Oh, Oh, man. So pretty twisted. She's not like a very long term relationship type gal. She's like about a year. Well, you know, it's it's she's been searching for Hugh all this time and she's not finding him. So she tosses whichever one out that she does happen to get. Because she's like, yeah. this ain't Hugh. She's like, it's not Hugh. It's me. Exactly. And then tosses him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there are even tons of local residents who won't even dip their toes in the lake because of <laughs> how many people have drowned in there. Mostly uh-huh. men. So... Huh. There were at least 160 drownings at the lake between the mid-1800s and late 1970s, averaging well over one a year. Only three of those victims were women. It's pretty bizarre. That is bizarre. Yeah. So the New York Post interviewed this former lifeguard, Dave Ignary, who was 74 now, and he had been doing research of his own over the years trying to see if there was any anything to kind of back up these legends. And he actually has a doctorate in colonial American history. So, you know, he he's a pretty smart guy. You know, he's educated. He's doing thorough research. And he said that in the 34 years that he helped guard the lake's beaches starting in the 60s, there were 30 drownings alone, all male victims. Hmm. All male. All veil. All all veil. (laughs) Who is she? Mm. Um, (laughs) So he said, I had heard it for years. All the legends, the princess curse. I thought it was all malarkey, just a myth. But then he had a terrifying premonition about a drowning while he was on guard. And he had even witnessed instances where females had somehow survived situations where other folks may have died. So he thought that they were being protected in some way in the way that males were not. And Mm -hmm. he had heard so many tales of the heartsick princess, and he even had his own brush with death on the lake. And he said, I started to say, maybe there's something to this legend. So he saw a lot, and he experienced it for himself. So this is also the deepest lake on Long Island, and it's been called bottomless by a lot of folks. And Native Americans were actually mystified by the lake because they didn't know its origin. But it's actually known as a kettle lake, which was carved by retreating glaciers more than 17,000 years ago. Old, old lake. But many of the natives thought it was bottomless because bodies would often drown and just completely disappear, never to be seen again, which, you know, they're sinking, I guess. But in other instances, the bodies or objects that they would toss into the lake would reappear in the nearby Conicquat River or the Great South Bay, which made a lot of people think like maybe there are some sort of underwater tunnels happening with this lake. Mm. And that's pulling people under. Hard to say. Some type Uh, of like really strong underwater. This is a legend. But they said that. Uh, Some men gathered and dropped up to a thousand feet of heavily weighted fishing line into a hole in the lake's southwestern section, and they never reached the bottom. Which, you know, isn't true because (laughs) uh, at its deepest, the lake is 95 feet, which is deep. It is deep, but it's not bottomless. Um. There was also a point in time where they had added this new, uh, like, uh, like a section to dive off of, basically, and it was at the deepest part of the lake. So people were just drowning and adding to the legend pretty quickly. So they <laughs> they learned soon enough to rope that area off and don't have people just uh, diving into the ninety five foot literal hole. <laughs> but. Uh, you know, yeah. we learn from our mistakes. One thing I've learned about lakes over the many years is you don't 
jump in a lake unless you know precisely where this, you know, if there's like a hole there or anything. Lakes are so dangerous, man. They really there's are. There's so much debris under there. You never yeah. know what you're going to get into. You don't. You know, your hair gets stuck I'll on never the brush lines. That. You drown. Your yeah. foot gets caught on some, some debris underwater. Yeah. It's, it's spooky. I remember. Do you guys remember? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. I was just going to say, I remember the lake in my hometown is man-made. So it's got like this horrible undertow and people would drown all the time because they would just hop in willy-nilly and just get freaking rushed away. <laughs> Jesus. Was it, it wasn't meant for people to swim in, right? No, you could swim in it, but people were just like not swimming in the parts that you should have been swimming in. They were got like it. going out and doing their own stuff. Which, Got it. which like there are there's a reason that it's roped off. It says don't go past this point. <laughs> gotcha. I don't know if you guys remember the name of the movie. I want to say it was The Man in the Moon, but I might be just confusing this with another movie during the same time. But it was about this girl who lived on a farm and she Reese started dating this boy. Huh? Reese Witherspoon? I know that Reese is in the man on the moon but i'm not sure if this is the plot to that movie Uh. or if this is a completely (laughs) different movie um but her her love interest drowned in a nearby lake from um weeds getting his feet Um. and up until then i mean i'm an ocean gal i i thought that lakes were nothing i thought they were perfectly safe compared to the ocean and then after seeing this i was like oh Mm. shit yeah lakes are (laughs) no joke I People also knew a girl who got a brain-eating amoeba from a lake. So you know, her. you know her. Yeah, I always hear stories. It's like, oh, I read in the news, but you know a person. Yeah, I was in elementary school, and I she was like a friend of a friend. They went to church together, and she got this brain-eating amoeba when we were like nine years old, and. Pretty sad. How's she doing? She did not make it. But seriously? Yeah. Oh yeah. It was like pretty much amoeba and done. So lakes are fucked. No, yeah, I feel like people really don't understand how dangerous they are. This is turning into just play in them like nobody's business. But it is the same thing for me, like in, in school growing up, so many horror stories on lakes when like people would die or get very like tragically hurt and it was just you have to know what's up you got to know what you're getting into you know they're dangerous and they're haunted yeah (laughs) Mm, facts but uh old lake lake ronkonkoma there's also this weird phenomena that happens where the lake rises and falls exponentially every seven years so those living in the area have always been intrigued by this phenomena because there's no apparent relationship between the rise and fall to rainfall so they like can't figure out why this is happening uh the most ferocious occurrence of the mysterious rise and fall occurred in 1891 when stories say that the lake suddenly rose to a point where it actually completely engulfed the beaches boathouses and pavilions and there was no significant rain on long island So Native Americans actually thought that the rise and fall was because of the great spirit of the lake. And they said that they knew that God was particularly displeased whenever anyone drowned in the lake. And they believed that he would make the water rise until it would overflow and cover the island because they had done something to piss him off, basically. And... Tales of the lake's rise and fall didn't end with the Native Americans, though, because settlers also witnessed it, and um, they think they said that it was linked to the Lady of the Lake, with the legend saying that the lake wept and overflowed for the two lovers in seven-year cycles, which was the length of their relationship. But at times, it will rise and fall between 9 and 13 feet at a time, which is pretty significant. Pretty crazy. Then there's one last tale. It's of the healing waters of the lake. Ooh, let's go. Well, 
we'll see if we want to go after we hear this. <laughs> so during the late 1800s, Lake Ronkonkoma began, t- began <laughs> uh, words. Uh, it started gaining widespread attention after claims that its waters possess extraordinary and unparalleled therapeutic qualities, which we've heard about a lot of things. But uh-huh. they said that it had the ability to heal an array of medical conditions. And um, they ranged from, let's see what we've got. We've got chronic asthma, bronchitis, malaria, rheumatism, nervous and digestive huh. system orders. So they said that it healed it all. But there was apparently this Brooklyn businessman who set up shop near the lake and he would sell these small vials containing what he called lake juice, which he said (laughs) was a blend of waters from the deepest part of the lake and a special secret formula of herbs and berries gathered from the lake's surrounding area. And he he was really taking advantage of the people, selling them this lake juice. And he made a pretty penny off of it. But uh, his scheme unraveled pretty quickly because the product had actually been sealed improperly and it turned brown and bitter and people actually got sick from it instead of being healed by it. So there you have it. Lake Ronkonkoma. We got a bottomless lake. We got lake juice. We got a, a female spirit. What's next? You know? What's next? Am I right? What's next? The people in the area say they, they're they not trying to get into that lake. So I don't know. Mm. Spooky. Mm. You guys want to go a little uh, a little west from Long Island? Let's do it. She, <laughs> had, to, she had to do oh, the... A little bit. <laughs> a little west. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to go on over to the Great Lakes... They truly are the greatest. She's going big. They're huge AF. (laughs) She's going big. They were formed 14,000 years ago, which is a little bit older than I am, from retreating ice sheets, you know, as many lakes are formed. Uh, And they contain 84% of North America's surface freshwater. So that's, that's a lot. It's a big percentage. And they connect to the Atlantic Ocean through the St. Lawrence River. So just a, just a quick little uh, geography lesson for y'all. So let's first discuss the Bermuda Triangle of the Great Lakes. Who knew? I mean, I didn't know that we had like a Bermuda Triangle-esque triangle here in the U.S. of A. <laughs> but we do. Called the Michigan Triangle. The more you <laughs> know. Very, very creative. <laughs> but the... The triangle covers the area between Ludington to Benton Harbor, Michigan, and then over to Manitowoc, Wisconsin. So for anyone who knows about the Bermuda Triangle, or for those who don't, things go missing (laughs) in this area mysteriously and way too often. So the first documented mysterious experience, uh, or disappearance rather, was in... uh, Oh, that's not the right year. 1891. <laughs> I had written 1981. I was like, uh-huh. oh, no. No. <laughs> recent. Recent. Yeah. When a schooner, Thomas Hume, was going through some rough waters and completely disappeared with all seven crew members. Goodbye. So a little background on the Thomas Hume. It had, uh, the boat itself had, or the ship itself had recently been sold uh, and renamed to transport lumber from um, Muskegon to Chicago via Lake Michigan. So before this fateful trip, the ship had been refitted. It was strengthened. There was a new deck. There was a third mast added so that it could bear the weight of the lumber and also so that it could survive rough weather. Uh, However, this didn't keep it from disappearing during a storm, um, if the storm was the reason for its disappearance at all. Mm -hmm. So there was a sister ship, the Rouse Simmons, um, and so both the Thomas Hume and the Rouse Simmons ships were 
uh, transporting lumber to Chicago, and they were coming up on the triangle. And the Rouse Simmons was like, "You know what? We haven't been we haven't been refitted recently, so we're going to turn back." And so it did. However, Thomas Hume disappeared until the end of time. Where did she go? Mm-hmm. What's <laughs> spooky is the Rouse uh, Simmons did eventually disappear uh, in a shipwreck in 1912. Um, I, although it was in Lake Michigan, I do not know if it was in the actual um, triangle. So, according to ancientorigins.net, the mystery of the disappearance of the Thomas Hume led to a number of speculations um, about its fate. Like, why did it actually disappear? So, here's here's a funny, well, an entertaining or amusing explanation was that um, the crew of the ship stole it <laughs> and turned it into another vessel by repainting it. <laughs> I mean, sure. And then, I don't know, maybe they just, like, ended up living in Chicago. Um, Or it may have been struck either by lightning or some other ship and sunk. um, And the captain swore his crew to secrecy. Like, let's say it was, um, like, a a much larger boat that um, struck it and sunk it, but they survived. He probably was like super embarrassed. And he's like, let's keep this on the DL. Let's keep this on the DL. Like, this can't be my legacy. You guys don't tell anybody. Others have suggested, right? <laughs> and of course, others have suggested that the ship was victim of the paranormal phenomena and that it sailed unknowingly into the Michigan Triangle. So, this mystery was finally laid to rest uh, in 2006. Um, there was a diver, Teres Lysenko, uh, a diver with the A&T recovery team. Uh, he came across the ship and it was almost completely intact, which is crazy because it had been over 100 years and it was at the bottom of the Southern part of Lake Michigan. And it was like very well preserved, um, which might be because it sank to such a, a depth, you know, far out in the lake, there wasn't much disturbing it, um, causing like a, a faster or more rapid deterioration. So what do you think? Like, okay, so it's debunked. It just sunk. It's not paranormal. Who's to say that the bodies or spirits of these crewmen aren't creating death traps for all who cross the Michigan Triangle? Who, you know what I mean? Who is to say? There have been other disappearances. Mm-hmm. For example, 1937, George Donner was a captain who, after a long night guiding his ship through really icy water, went to his cabin to rest, and then his crew never saw him again. He just he just disappeared. Oh no! Like, where'd you go? You okay? <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> Going back in time a little more, the oldest ghost uh, ghost ship, excuse me, words, not part of the triangle, uh, is Le Griffon, which vanished on Lake Michigan in 1679. It was rumored to have been cursed uh, and has since been seen tracking a collision course with other vessels in Michigan Harbor, only to vanish before it's actually contacted by someone. Um, its wreck has never been actually located, so we don't have any definitive proof that it sunk at all. According to michigansotherside.com, which is a great site with lots of information um, and articles based on um, the history of Michigan along with like folklore and whatnot, I'm going to read a little excerpt from an article. Many places are believed to be the home of the Griffin's final resting place below Lake Michigan. According to maritime historian Frederick Stonehouse's research, skeletons were found by the lightkeeper of Manitoulin Island in a cave sometime in the early 1900s. One of the skeletons was very large, and it was said that Luke the Dane, captain of the Griffin, was a very large man. 
Is it possible that Griffin is somewhere in that area, waiting in her watery grave to be discovered? <sighs> Were the skeletons of the cave that doomed crew of the Griffin? Who's to say? Skeleton to say? cave? Mm-hmm. Terrifying. I mean, it makes sense. You know, you're, you're shipwrecked or you swim to shore and you find a cave, yeah. especially if it's raining. And then, and then you know, you just, you just die. And yeah. then that's your cave. Yeah, like what else are you really going to do? I guess if there's nothing else you can do, like you can't eat, you just die, you know. It's usually how it goes. So, finally, in the most recent mysterious tragedy, uh, and you guys may have heard this before, uh, it involves Northwestern Airline Flight 2501. So on June 23rd, 1950, Northwest Orient Flight 2501 was traveling from, or I should say zero one was traveling from New York uh, to Minneapolis. And there was a bit of storms on the radar, so they uh, the pilots quickly changed the flight path to go over Lake Michigan. Um, but this storm ended up being faster than them, and they still um, met, <laughs> they met up with the storm. Yeah. Um, and the plane mysteriously crashed. All 58 people died disappeared Uh. so there were massive searches by the coast guard for a long time after this but the only thing that turned up was one blanket um possibly from the flight Uh. but nothing else and the plane has still to this day had never it's never been found and it remains the only large commercial plane in the united states history to ever go missing Whoa. So that's that's a little spooky. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, going on over. Let me see here. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. We're 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 changing we're changing flight paths real quick, and we're gonna <laughs> go over to Michigan Lake. And there is on a peninsula. It's called um, Sichua Point. And there's a lot of history in this area. So let's go back a few hundred years. The booming time of smallpox, when it was killing Native Americans and colonizers. And the coast at this peninsula is heavily formed by limestone. So it's not exactly easy to bury people because you can't really dig graves. So these smallpox victims were buried in the sand dunes lining the, the waters. So going forward a little bit to 1939, the... Actually, you know what? Going backward a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> because these sand dunes had, were basically like burials, um, the construction of the road up to the Sichua Lighthouse at the time was curved heavily to basically wind around the sand dunes so to not disturb them. But then, now we're going forward, to 1939, the local road committee at the time, they either didn't know about the sand dune burials or they just didn't care. Uh, they wanted to widen and straighten the road, so they did so by plowing through one of the sand dunes. Lo and behold, they unearthed hundreds of skeletons. And I'm sure, along with that, many angry spirits. Whew. So, I watched a 2004 documentary on old YouTube called Haunted Great Lakes. Um, and it was posted by Riyadh Movie Channel. I'm not sure if they are the producers, but either way, it's, it's lovely. Um, and it covers a lot of the hauntings of the lakes, obviously. Um, it includes interviews with people who live and have experienced paranormal activities on the lakes. So in regards to Sichua Point, uh, they interviewed a local fisherman who's much older now, but he recalls a winter night during his childhood He was walking from his uncle's house back home, uh, and as soon as he stepped out of his uncle's house, he looked up to see unidentified hovering lights. There was a big cluster of them, and he said that they were the prettiest lights he had ever seen. He was, you know, enamored by them, Um, and they were about 300 feet above his uncle's house. 
So usually we don't have like an alien UFO and ghost crossover, but today is the day. <laughs> I had to get some water there. Um, this isn't to say that this had anything to do with, with aliens, uh, but it was, you know, unidentified flying objects. So this fisherman, in awe, he runs back inside and calls his uncle to come see. Um, and his uncle comes out and also sees these lights. So the fisherman knows he's not hallucinating. <laughs> and he says, that's a jack-o'-lantern. To which point I laughed at that. <laughs> But then he he explained more. He said, it's a sign that death is coming soon. So this fisherman, the, the young boy, he wasn't scared, but he was more so just curious. Like He didn't feel fear from this instance at all. Um, what's strange is a week later, his aunt, who lived in the house, passed away from a prolonged illness. So whether or not that was a coincidence, you know, his, <coughs> his uncle definitely thought that that, or recognized that, source of light uh, in the sky was some type of death notice. So it gets even spookier. So the same day he saw the lights, he was walking back to his house and he suddenly saw a man cross his path a few feet in front of him. So he stopped and he was trying to like look at the man, but he couldn't make out any features. It was like, uh, he looked like a shadow and the fisherman said he felt so much fear at that moment. He had never felt so much fear in his life. So he's going from seeing these beautiful lights, not feeling fear at all, to all of a sudden seeing a shadow person being scared shitless. And so he started to run farther down the path. The path home just so happened to be on the road that went through the old sand dune that I had mentioned before. So the fisherman spotted <laughs> something hanging in the tree up ahead. And upon closer investigation, he saw that it was a skeleton. So back in this day on this peninsula, I doubt that there were like pretend <laughs> plastic skeletons hanging around. You know what I mean? Um, so this, this was like a real ass skeleton and it was hanging in the tree. Uh, and there were some other accounts of skeletons hanging from trees in uh, this area um, that maybe we can cover in another episode because it's just it's wild y'all so he realizes it's a skeleton and now he's like even more scared he's terrified and now he's running home so he's running on the road and he suddenly comes across these multiple horizontal lights kind of like lasers that you would see at a museum except they were wavy and they were very light almost white uh blue color so at this point, he was wondering, like, am I just imagining things? Am I losing my mind? He's like, did I take so some drugs So he finally got home, told his mother. <laughs> huh? He's like, did I take some drugs earlier or something? Right? Yeah. Was, did he, like, find a mushroom out in yeah. the woods and he's, you know, chomping down on it? Maybe maybe the uncle also had the mushroom, so he also saw the lights? I don't know. He drank something. There. This was an extreme night. He drank the lake juice. Right? Oh. Ooh, it all comes together. <laughs> So he comes home and he's like, Ma, Ma, let me tell you something. Uh, or what would the accent be? Ma, um, I'm not even going to do it. I'm not even <laughs> going to try it. I'm going to try my Midwestern accent in private later. And I'll report back. But he told his mother what he had seen from the lights to the shadow person to the skeleton uh, to the wavy lights crossing his path, hoping that she would say, like, you crazy? But she was like, oh, yeah, I've, uh, I haven't seen a skeleton, but I've seen the wavy lights before. So he's just like, all right, this, this place is haunted AF, and there's a lot of paranormal activity. And from the interview, he, I mean, he's like a sweet old man. He doesn't seem to be, he doesn't seem like anything's off, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it, <laughs> um, I mean, who knows? But you know how sometimes you can just tell yeah. when someone's probably either making it up or they were hallucinating. This seemed legit. So there are so many other paranormal and spooky ghost stories that coincide with the Great Lakes. I think that if y'all want to hear, we should do an episode dedicated to it because I've only really scratched the surface. Just the so surface. So let us know. Let us know. Just Damn. A little itch. 
Let us know. She said they were real skeletons, not Party City skeletons. (laughs) (laughs) And that was that. Not Spirit Halloween skeletons. Dang. (laughs) Y'all, I have seen Spirit Halloween start popping up with the now hiring signs. And I'm like, okay. It is spooky season. You're like, all right. Here's my resume. But, uh. Can I tell you a secret? What? I made a purchase at Spirit Halloween online last night. Would you like to know what I got? What'd you get? (laughs) I got a Ouija board doormat and a skull wreath. Gorgeous. I know. I've been, um, Target has been like teasing me with their ads, showing me that their Halloween merch is in. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't tell me. I add to cart. (laughs) Yeah. Just send it to me. I mean, I feel like. It is my duty as a Salem, Massachusetts resident to start early and get this shit up. Yeah. So. September 1st, a.k.a. Tomo, that's when you decorate for Halloween. <laughs> a.k.a. Tomo. <laughs> that's, well, you know, by the time this airs, it'll have been a few days past September 1st. So um, if you haven't started decorating, you're already late. Yeah. Heard it here, here first. Sorry, not sorry. All right. Well, I have a short one for y'all. How about that? Love it. Yeah. I love it. Honestly, I need a short one. I know. I'm I'm (laughs) going to put y'all to bed. No, I'm not because it's exciting. (sighs) (laughs) I don't think you could ever put me to bed, Emily. (laughs) I know. I'm the last person they'd call for that call map, right? The last I'd be like, one. girl, wake me up. Wake me up. She was actually on the list before Harry Styles, but then yeah. they were like, oh, no, she's actually too exciting. Yeah, they were like, shoot. I gave him a real good reel, but. Yeah. Well, next time. So <laughs> let's talk about veterans, like, in Sulphur, Oklahoma. I no never word. heard of it. Mm. I've never been to Sulphur. Well. I probably drove past it. Because I used to go to school in Norman. But because it's right around Ada, which I feel like I've seen street signs for. Well, probably. Yeah, I don't know. But Veterans Lake, it's haunted. Apparently has a a lot of tales. But one that I was like, all right, this is something different. This is something that adds to the cast that we're not going to hear today. Yeah. So let's do it, right? Sure. It's a lot. This lake is a lot like Alyssa's lake. It's got a Lady of the Lake, okay. you know. Okay. But it also has some other stuff. So built in 1933, it became part of the Chickasaw National Recreation Area, and in 19 oh in 1987 it did. It became part of that uh, recreation area. It's a 67 acre lake. And obviously, it's honored. Uh, it's named after the veterans of the American War. So it's called Veterans Lake. Mm-hmm. The story goes that apparently this little boy was swimming in the lake one day. Something happened. He went under, wasn't coming back up. And so a woman, his mom, jumped in to save him. She ended up drowning. No. So both departed. I know. Oh. I know. And then on top of that, Apparently, there was a girl that had a boating accident in the lake and died and drowned. And so these apparitions of the two women and the little boy are sometimes seen at this lake. And there's a lot of stories from locals, guys. Uh, This one person says, I've been in the Veterans Lake and saw a little boy. He looked like an actual kid, which, you know. Little boys look like that, but he was <laughs> drowning. I was going to, to jump in, but then this older woman did before I could, and they just disappeared. Whoa. I know. Honestly, I feel like we sh- you should have done some more, like, looking, though, because you never know what could have happened, right? I mean, he could have been under the water. I know, dude. That's the disappearance. But also, that's, like, kind of tricky because what if you drown trying to save this apparition? What if that's their goal is to make other people drown? Yo, very good, you know, cue comment because yeah. Yeah. for real, that's their whole game plan. I think they're tricky. Oh, but then what, you know? What are you going to do? Exactly. What's next? Okay. Well, this other person, 
This other person said, growing up here in Sulphur, you hear about the lake. Everyone thought it was just a story to scare you. But a couple of friends and I went down there one night, and it was a little after midnight. A slow, steady-like fog came over the lake, and as the fog got closer, we started to hear screaming of what sounded like a child. We then heard thrashing in the water, and at this point, we had had enough, so we started to run back to the car. I looked back while we were running, and I saw a white-like figure hovering over the water. I never forgot, and I go back frequently to see if I can maybe catch something on video. Whoa. Also, though, the fact that they, like, heard splashing and were like, fuck this. I know. This is (laughs) what I'm trying to like, you don't know. Maybe... Maybe y'all should have saved somebody's life that day, but yeah. Well, yeah. Now we can't. Here's where this lake really got me. Okay, because I was like, <laughs> you know, lakes are spooky. Like I said before, they're very dangerous. There's yeah. a lot of accidents that happen, and um, you know, you just got to be careful. So, is it the ghost? Is it lake danger? I don't know, but this. It's real, y'all. Somebody saw Bigfoot. No. Stop it. Stop it. Oh, shit. Bigfoot is drinking the waters at Veterans Lake. Damn. Listen to this. This is what happens. On October 31st, 1996. uh, Also, I got this from uh, (laughs) BigfootOutlaws.com. Real so you know story. it's legit. It's from Chad Scott. All right. October 31st, 1996. Isn't that Halloween? October 31st? Yeah. Oh, yeah, girl. Every year. Yeah. Every year. My brother, a high school senior at the time, asked me to take him out to Veterans Lake inside a Chickasaw National Recreation Area. Some of his friends from high school were going to meet at the lake that night to try and see the Lady of the Lake. The Lady of the Lake is a legend in Sulphur, a ghost story about a young woman who was supposed to have died in the lake, and every now and then, at midnight, she comes out of the water. I personally have never seen anything that would lead me to believe that's true, but I do know some people who swear they've seen her. My brother, by the way, sat out there all night and didn't see anything. I dropped my brother off at about 11.30 and sat and talked to his friends for a few minutes. I left the lake at about 11.45 and headed back towards... The road. I exited Veteran Lake area onto Perimeter Road, which runs through the center of the park. As I headed south on Perimeter Road, I I crossed a low water crossing bridge. Heading north, I would look up the creek as I crossed the bridge, and I would look. And heading south, I would look down the creek. This time was no different. As I crossed the bridge, I looked down the creek. The light was good that night. The moon was visible, giving off a good amount of light, and it was there in. There were some street lights that lit up the ground. As I crossed the creek and looked west down the creek, I saw a large, hairy thing crouched on the south bank of the creek. The first thing that I thought in my head was, there's no effing way I'm seeing this. <laughs> up ahead was an area where there was a camper, where there were camper trailers, and um, you could empty your refuse tanks. So I pulled into the parking lot, I turned around, drove back up to the bridge, and as I drove onto the bridge, I pulled my car to where my headlights shone down the creek, and the thing was still there. No. Now that I could see it better and had a better view of it, I could tell what I was looking at. There, crouched on the balls of his feet, with his hands cupped in the water, was a large chocolate brown male Bigfoot. Chocolate approximately seven and a half to eight feet tall, was very broad in shoulders and narrow in the hip. I would guess the weight to be within 500 to 600 pound range. It was covered in hair, long on the sh- long, long on the head and shorter as it went down. Since I only saw it from the profile angle, I couldn't tell much about its facial features. But the head had a large crest on it, similar to that of a gorilla. Y'all. I'm spooked. Is that Bigfoot? Is Bigfoot in Oklahoma? In Sulphur, Oklahoma? 
Let us know. I think Bigfoot's <laughs> everywhere. I mean, I think that there are multiple Bigfoots, so... Well, okay, I was just going to say that, too, because of this BigfootOutlaws.com. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking... I'm thinking there. this is a whole species out here, right? Could be. Rocking Could our be. world. Yeah. And, and maybe, you know, maybe they're hanging out at lakes. That's Maybe they they're lake or in creatures. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Chad Scott, he looked at him for what seemed like a minute, but he actually stood there for more like a second. And without much sideways glance, he crossed the creek in about three feet deep in places. So this man, this, this Bigfoot was tall and he disappeared <laughs> into the narrow strip of trees. Damn. Chocolate wow. brown. Harry, mm-hmm. Harry, <laughs> yeah. Whoa, man! Up at Veterans Lake, y'all in Sulphur. Damn! Turn onto that perimeter. Being off road. I know that I told people to go to lakes to you know get some fresh air, but maybe don't. <laughs> maybe don't. <laughs> maybe I lied. Yo, I just think we just found out lakes are like way too scary. I I think we might have. I mean, we had our whole PSA about their dangers. Now we know Bigfoot's out there. We got a lady dragging people under. I mean, we got a a triangle. We got people out here hearing thrashes and screaming in the water and running away. I mean, so where's the humanity? I can't. I can't trust the lake. I know I can't trust anyone now, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm sweating because I'm scared of lakes and also it's hot in, it's hot. in this house. Cause you know, but anyway, uh, yeah, damn, damn, <laughs> I'm, I'm speechless. If anyone out there has a story about haunted lake near them, freaking send it to us at the golden ghouls podcast at gmail.com because we're hooked on lakes, man. We want to hear about it. We do. We really do. Anything else we want the people to know? We love you. We love you. (laughs) And until next time, stay spooky. Stay spooky. Spooky.